My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're going to discuss martinis, pre-vacation anxiety, and a check-in on some New Year's resolutions. Truthfully, I woke up hungover at 11 a.m. I never really do that. The latest I'll sleep in when I'm hungover is 9 a.m. at the latest, but it was kind of a special one. We went to bed at 3, which was probably on the early end of when I think we went to bed, and we played drinking games, rung in the new year all night, sang songs, and then played some more drinking games. It was January 1st, my wife was still asleep, and as I laid in bed, I kind of was just bored. Truthfully, we didn't have any service, we barely had any Wi-Fi, and so I didn't really have much to do to distract myself. So what I did was I opened my phone and I opened up my notes app, and being January 1st, I decided that I would write down about 10 goals for myself for the year. I was somewhere between hungover and maybe still a little buzzed, but when I looked back at the list recently, I thought to myself, huh, I'm kind of glad I did that. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, I do think that they're largely stupid and sometimes impulsive. Everyone forgets by mid-January, and a lot of the goals that we create for ourselves are based off just something that happened just before the new year. So maybe we've been eating and drinking throughout it, and all of a sudden you're doing a crash diet. Or maybe you just want to quit your job, but it's because you just hate working over the holidays. I just feel like they're more impulsive than what we give them credit for. And it just is a recipe for you just never really fulfilling those New Year's resolutions. So I started thinking about why we actually make these. Do we need to feel guilty for not seeing something through? Are you just so hungover, tired, or dreading going back to work that it's a way to plan your life? I'm really not sure. Truthfully, the entire time I've made New Year's resolutions in the past, I've really gone through on hardly any of them. It's always been a 30-day thing, and it just gets me through January, whether it's dry January, like I said, one of those diets. And until recently, I actually forgot that I made this list. I was going through my notes, and I, I saw this list pop up, and honestly, I was scared to open it. I was scared for a few different reasons. I was scared because I didn't know what I wrote. I was scared that if I read what I wrote, that I would realize that I really hadn't done anything that I wanted to over the year. But as I got further into it, I realized that I was actually pleasantly surprised. The list was pretty simple and it was, like I said, it was 10 items and I'm going to go through some of these now, starting with the things that I've actually accomplished. And even though that these things aren't kind of, you know, these large overlying things that can apply to other people and make the world better, these were certain things in my life that I knew that I needed to change in order to up my happiness a little bit and have a little peace of mind. The first one was one of those things that's very vanity driven. I wanted to buy a new car. I've always had a big hang up when it comes to big purchases and my big purchase mentality is that of anxiety rather than excitement. Well, uh, it didn't take me very long. By the end of January, I had finally turned in my beat up old Ford Fusion and I turned it in for a new car and honestly, not having that, that old car kind of feeling, I think you guys can probably identify with it. Not having that hovering over my head was just a really nice feeling and something that I thank myself for doing every single day since. Uh, another thing was that I wanted to get married on my own terms. As you know, I got married in February of this year. My wedding was originally supposed to be next month in August. We didn't postpone it be, or we didn't move it up because of coronavirus or anything like that, but we just got tired of planning our own wedding. As of January 1st, we really didn't have a plan at that point. We knew that we were probably going to change from doing some giant wedding that we were originally planning, 
but really we just kind of wanted to do something that was easier, that made us happy, that made us not stressed. And at that time, there were just a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, given how that, that phrase usually goes, but it was just difficult planning a wedding for myself and my now wife when there were so many other people weighing in on things that didn't matter to us or didn't have any meaning to us. And so I just really wanted to be able to take our wedding planning and make it into something that made me happy. The wedding industry takes away from a lot of the real reasons that you actually get married and you find yourself just swimming in this debt of deposits or you know, you just put money down for pretty much everything and it's really easy to get overwhelmed by it, especially when you're not sure if you want some kind of 150 to 200 person wedding. The third one was I established, I wanted to establish a workout routine. Truthfully, this was one I put on there just because it made sense and uh, it wasn't something that I actually wanted to do, but it was something that I knew that I needed to do. I was professionally happy, but personally, I wasn't necessarily psyched about myself. I had been kind of letting myself go for a while, and even though I lost about 10 pounds through 2019, I knew that that wasn't enough and that I wanted to do more. And so establishing a workout routine was something that I wasn't really totally planning on actually fulfilling, but sure enough, I did. Uh, it probably helped that my wife bought a Peloton, but I also think that quarantine kind of helped drive it home that we needed to do something active in order to stay sane. And so even though I didn't think that establishing a workout routine was gonna happen, it was actually one of the easiest ones that I've done and definitely the most fulfilling. Another one, which is definitely not as serious as the other ones, was drink less beer, but drink the same amount of cocktails. I wanted to be reasonable in this one, and really I just wanted to lose my beer gut. I like these craft brews these days, and I also, I mean, I like a good light beer every once in a while. I'll have a Miller High Life and not have to think twice about it. But at the same time, I just wanted to drink a little bit less beer. And so I just decided that I, instead of ordering beers at restaurants or making, or just having a beer at home, that I would drink cocktails and see if that helped at all. Well, as it turned out, it did. And going through quarantine, even though a lot of people started drinking more, I made it a real priority of mine to drink less and I think it worked. And then the final one that I've actually f seen through was to meditate more. I've always enjoyed meditation and I've always wanted the benefits of it. And so far I've meditated through both the Peloton app, Headspace, and a couple other ones. I think the Calm app as well. And it truly has made me have a little more peace of mind, a little more calmness, better at dealing with stress. It was all these things that I knew that it would help with, but it was just something I hadn't really prioritized in my life up to that point. If you're interested in meditation and, and talking about it, I also did an episode with Aditi Shah, who is a, someone that I used as a meditation instructor through the Peloton app, and we had a kind of a, a meditation 101 thing with her a few months ago, so I highly recommend checking that out. Unfortunately, there were several that I didn't accomplish, or five, not, not too many. Uh, one was plan another international trip. We took uh, a couple last year, and I really wanted to do one this year, but given how coronavirus and the whole pandemic has panned out, it's just not going to work. Uh, I also wanted to have a book deal or strategy completed. I don't necessarily want to, like, I'm not so dead set on having a book deal, but it's, as you know, if you've listened to recent questions from uh, listeners on our monthly listener questions episodes, it's something that's just been looming over my head. And it's something that I know that I can do fairly, I don't want to say easily, but I know that I have the resources to make it happen. But I think I'm honestly just a little scared. Another was to pick up a new hobby. I should have done better at this and I think that maybe the the hobbies that I wanted to do whether it was painting or drawing or just kind of doing some kind of craft I think that was replaced by by working out through quarantine unfortunately it's a good thing but at the same time I really wanted to start using my creative side more 
and I guess I use it through work a lot, but I, I want to do something that was personally fulfilling and not necessarily something that I put out into the world like this podcast. The one that I've really failed the worst at and something that I was actually doing really well with before the new year, but kind of, you know, was regressing on was having a phone time below two hours. As it turns out, that's just not feasible for me right now. I think, if anything, my phone time's higher than it has been in the last year. So that's one that I definitely need to work on going forward. And then the final one, which I think I maybe have done an okay job on, but not good enough to say that I've accomplished it, is to do fewer cheap purchases and more high-quality purchases. I recently cleaned my closet out, and I found so many purchases that I would just say that I bought on a whim. Not happy about it. And I think I'm doing better, but I think quarantine has made me buy stuff that I definitely don't need. And so it is what it is. Like I said, I don't love the pressure of resolutions, of diets, of these ultimatums that we put on ourselves for no reasons. But as far as hangovers go, mine on January 1st this year feels a little bit more productive than I ever could have imagined. Here's the cold hard truth, guys. Your skin has needs. If you want it to look as good as possible for as long as possible, you need to address them now. We get it. You might not know where to start. I definitely didn't. But there's a company that's taken all the guesswork out of it for you, and that company is Lumen. Lumen is on a mission to help men give the, or to help give men amazing skin that they deserve through high-quality, expert-creative products delivered right to your door. All of their products are formulated specifically for men's skin and made to target skin issues with maximum, maximum efficiency using top-notch ingredients like charcoal, green tea extract, and vitamin C. It's not just about looking good. It's about feeling good, too. You need good skin and health, especially as you get older, to prevent long-term damage. I've been using Lumen for a very long time now. Uh, they sent me a bunch of product in the beginning of this campaign, and I was never really somebody that used a ton of moisturizing products or pretty much anything for my skin. I was always blessed with decent skin. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't so bad that I wanted to do anything about it. But ever since I got this in the mail, I've been using the moisturizing balm pretty much every night before bed. Uh, there's a charcoal cleanser that I didn't know I would love until I started using it. And so even if you have no idea to where to, be, where to begin just like me, Lumen makes it easy to find the right skin management system for you. Choose from different skin concerns to address or just pick up a simple starter pack for free. You deserve to look and feel your best, and here's where you start. Go to lumenskin.com scaries to get a one-month free trial of everything you need to start your skincare journey at home. That's lumenskin.com scaries to use your first month free. lumenskin.com scaries. James Bond famously said, shaken, not stirred, and I think you know what he's referring to. Ernest Hemingway in A Farewell to Arms said, I had never tasted anything so cool and clean. They made me feel civilized. And comedian Milton Berle said, if it wasn't for the olives in his martinis, he would have starved to death. I don't necessarily identify with all of that, but I can definitely say that I do love a good martini. My first exposure to them was, I think, just my entire life. My dad's always drank martinis, and they've been a staple at dinner parties that my parents have had in the past. While I won't name the person directly, I do remember one particular dinner party where uh, me, being in middle school, saw somebody kind of dozing off at the table, and I didn't really realize what was going on. Well, as it turns out, I think they just had too many martinis, and unfortunately, I've probably done the same thing at this point. When I was a waiter, I used to serve martinis, and I absolutely hated it. Uh, carrying a martini on a giant tray or c carrying numerous martinis on a giant tray is very stressful, especially if those things are filled to the top. 
It's truly an acquired taste, and I only really started drinking martinis in my late 20s at nice dinners. But now, it's definitely my go-to cocktail, something I order out, something I make at home, and something I enjoy pretty much every single time. I'm still honing in my recipes, but that's neither really here or there, and we'll get to that in a second. The history of the martini is actually kind of vague. No one knows the exact history, but it's said to be derived from the Martinez cocktail in Manhattans. This is all a theory, but they're kind of similar in vain, and I think the Martinez is actually a combination of a martini and a Manhattan when it comes to the actual way of doing it. Truthfully, I've never had a Martinez, so I can't speak too much about them. But in 1922, martinis became recognizable cocktails that were much more popular than they ever were. It was a dry gin and vermouth at a ratio of two to one, stirred in a mixing glass with ice cubes, and served with bitters, or if you didn't like them, you didn't have to have them either. As you know, there are several types of martinis that you can order. Uh, what I'm talking about today is specifically with gin because that is a traditional martini and, tradi and martini purists will tell you that it's probably the only way to do it. That being said, I gravitate more towards vodka ones, but I do enjoy a gin one every once in a while. The, the most popular type of martini, and at least in terms of my group of friends or the people that I've seen ordering them out, are dirty martinis that contain a splash of olive brine or olive juice and it's typically garnished with some olives, whether it's blue cheese olives, just regulars with pimentos in them, or I don't know, they even have jalapeno or garlic stuffed olives. There's also the dry martini, which is made with dry white vermouth, and the perfect martini, which uses equal amounts of sweet and dry vermouth. The garnishes do vary, like I said. Uh, they do have the different types of olives, but a lot of people use lemon peels, especially with gin. They also have cocktail onions, which uh, when you pu start putting those into a martini, they call it a Gibson, which is something I didn't know until I started researching for this segment. When I was recently, this was actually right before we all shut down for the pandemic, I was at a local restaurant in Austin called Clark's. And on their menu, they have a very extensive martini list. And I ordered a gin martini. And that particular day, I was craving a cocktail onion. What I realized that day was that no one really does this, especially in Texas. When my martini was delivered to me, uh, the, the restaurant's pretty close quarters. They set it down in front of me and it has this cocktail onion that almost looks like it was kind of burned by something to give it some extra flavor. And I had both tables on either side of me lean over and ask what the hell I was drinking. We were at an oyster bar and so I think people thought that I had an actual oyster in my martini, which truly cannot sound more disgusting than it is. But as it turned out, it was just the onion, and I think everybody was a little creeped out when they realized that I was drinking a drink with that big of an onion in it. That being said, I don't really care. I will play a brief clip right now. It's Blake Lively in a movie of hers describing how to make the perfect martini as she learned from Dukes in London. Oh, fuck this. I need a real martini. This one's not real? Nope. Sean and I had the real thing at Dukes in London. The key, frozen gin, and a frozen glass. Here. Move, bad martini. Okay, a little bit of vermouth. Swirl it around, dump. Don't you dare touch that washcloth. Then add in the gin. Mm. Cut your twist. Squeeze it outside out. Get a nice little mist, lick the edges. Voila, and don't add fucking ice, ever. We don't like ice anymore? That shit ruins everything. Tough day at work. <laughs> I just need to hit the reset button sometimes. Oh, cheers. And while I don't necessarily follow that regimen myself, I have a different way of making a martini that some may love and some may hate. I don't do anything too special. I've always followed by the James Bond version of, you know, 
shaken, not stirred, but I'm not really against stirring a martini. I think I'm just not well versed in it because I, I was taught to make a martini by shaking it. All I do is I take some Tito's vodka. It's just great for me. It's at a great price point and I don't really know too much about vodka anyway, so it's perfect. I do two shots of that. I bought some high-end vermouth that I'm now forgetting the name of and I will never come up with it because it was something that I just bought on a whim and I didn't realize how much good vermouth can add to your martini, but I just do one shot of that so it's a two to one ratio like you're supposed to do. I usually try to put in a little olive juice, but lately I've liked them a little more clean and not as dirty. And what I've found is that I used to only drink it on the rocks, which I know is kind of a faux pas as well, but I've been drinking them a little more neat lately, so it makes sense. I also garnish them with a blue cheese olive just because I love blue cheese and I love olives and some cocktail onions that have been soaked in vermouth. I don't think that it's something that a lot of people do, but it tastes very, very good. If you've ever followed me on Twitter at Will DeFreeze, I joke about my martini phases. These are very, very dangerous. I go through numerous martini phases these days, uh, pretty much a year, and you kind of have to be careful with them and not fly too close to the sun. When I go through a martini phase, it's usually times when we're going out to a lot of group dinners with friends. I'll have one, I'll have another, and then by the third one, it's like, okay, maybe I didn't need this third martini. But th the martini phase is fun because drinking martinis is just great in the first place. And it's kind of fun to try to get closer and closer to the edge and, until you crash and burn. And the one thing I do love about going out and ordering martinis at dinners is that once one person orders one, and if they get it, then it's pretty much a guarantee that more people at the table are going to get one. Something I've done recently with two friends, uh, both of which listen to this podcast and both of which I'm very thankful for. Uh, we've been drinking these things that we've been calling a brackish. It's a martini that we put on ice. It's extra dirty. And the word brackish is the perfect name because it means a slightly salty mixture of river water and seawater and estuaries. Maybe even a little murky and hazy, much like the nights that end with a few martinis. If you're looking to reduce unnecessary trips out and trying to avoid sold out grocery stores, then check out Sunbasket. It's a perfect and delicious solution for the times we're living in. I've used Sunbasket. I got some in the mail and I was pleasantly surprised with not only the quality of the food, but the ease of the recipes. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. They have delicious recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient with everything pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can have mouth-watering dishes such as hoisin steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant, black bean tostadas, diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole. The list is really never-ending. You can order from any recipes across their menu, skip a week whenever you need to, or even double up on your favorite recipes if you've got a busy week ahead of you. It's simple and easy with truly no gotchas. And best part, Sun Basket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety. They are reinforcing strict adherence to their existing standard operating procedures and increasing sanitization frequency in their distribution centers in order to protect you and your family. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off of your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash scaries and enter promo code scaries at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash S-C-A-R-I-E-S 
and enter promo code SCARIES at checkout for $35 off of your order. Sunbasket.com slash SCARIES and enter promo code SCARIES. This week, we're going to end with kind of a programming note, but also a personal note. I will say that there will be no episode next week. I'm about to be facing a four-day work week followed by a vacation, and this week was the week that I chose in order to not do an episode in order to give myself a little more time. Going home, seeing my family, it was supposed to be our wedding weekend that we were going home for, so we're kind of just taking some time for ourselves and enjoying it since we've been stuck in Austin, Texas since the beginning of this pandemic without really leaving our apartment too much. Truthfully, I'm going a little insane, and I've been looking to this trip ever since I booked it in the first month of the pandemic when I thought that this would all be over by now. For obvious reasons, I'm really going to do a lot of stuff trying to stay safe in vac- on vacation in 2020. I keep on wondering if I'm staying safe enough by preparing for this, if I'm going to keep others safe that are around me when I go on this vacation back home, and what I can do to minimize contact with every- everybody. Luckily, we are getting tested before we go and after we go, so we'll know when we arrive whether or not we picked up anything, and hopefully all will go smoothly, and we'll be able to, you know, stay pretty distanced from everybody we need to see in order to have a safe vacation where we don't really feel too encumbered by the restrictions put upon us by coronavirus. Luckily for us, my hometown is very open, and you don't feel like you're too cramped with a bunch of people, so I think we'll be in good hands. But overall, I'm feeling this all too familiar feeling that I feel all the time before I leave town, and I think it's amplified by just the situation that we're in now. But it's a pre-vacation stress that's all too familiar to me, like I said. I, I don't know why I get it, and I've never really had an explanation for it, because going on vacation should be something that you're excited about and something that you're welcoming. And I know that this comes from a big place of privilege, because a lot of people don't get to take vacations or don't get to go home as much as they want. And truthfully, it, it's kind of a guilt. But leading up to it, I just feel this anxiety. I I have trouble sleeping. I'm worried about how much work I'm getting done beforehand, how much work I'm gonna come back to. There's just so many things. It's been lingering for pretty much every job that I've had ever since I was 22 years old. Uh, Vacation days are something that I've never really had to worry about, truthfully. At my first job, there was nothing set, but there was an expectation of not taking too many vacation days. I don't know if that's the best policy, but it was a fine policy at the time. I didn't really complain about it too much. Um, At my second big job, I had unlimited vacation days, but the people around me didn't use them nearly as much as I used them. Maybe it was because a lot of people had family that was much closer, but I found myself using vacation days more to go travel and see my family more than pretty much anything else. And now these days, I can kind of set my own schedule, and even though there are people that rely on me, I really do try not to take too much, even though I think I might take too much, but I don't really care at this point because, hey, we all deserve it. So I started thinking, why do I get so stressed before leaving town? And I started with some professional reasons. One was just whether or not I'm prepared enough to go off the grid. A lot of times on vacation, I don't like having my phone near me. I don't like looking at my phone. The only thing I should be using my phone for is taking photos. And the preparation that goes into these things is just kind of anxiety inducing in itself. I also wonder if I'll be able to tie up all the loose ends that I need to before I go out of town so that I don't have an email sitting in my inbox that's two weeks old when I get back and think to myself, oh man, this person hates me for not responding. I also worry that my coworkers don't feel like I'm hanging them out to dry. And this is something that I've worried about ever since my first job, like big boy job. And I don't really know why, but I, I just worry about their resentment 
And even if they don't resent me, and even if they say they don't resent me, I always just think to myself like, well, I resent people when they go on vacation. I don't get happy when I see somebody on vacation. I get jealous, but maybe that's just a me problem more than anything else. I also think that, uh, I also always wonder if everyone has what they need from me in order to go on vacation. As it should go with any job, I think that some people take on certain tasks that other people shouldn't have to worry about. That's the beauty of working with a team. And so sometimes when I leave town, I just worry like, okay, is there enough stuff in order? Do they have templates for things that I normally do? Do they know how to do this certain process that I always do? I always just like to make sure that we have something in place to make sure that all the work gets done and it gets done well in a timely fashion and I'm not putting too much on somebody else's plate just so I can go and do nothing. The final thing professionally is how much work I'll come back to. In a survey recently, 40% of men and 46% of women said that just thinking about the mountain of work they returned to after vacation was a major reason that they hadn't used their vacation days. Well, I use my vacation days and I do come back to mountains of work, normally because I try to turn off my email while I'm on vacation. But I mean, I get it. Coming back from vacation can normally be more stressful than actually taking the vacation in the first place. And then I also had a few personal reasons, which I don't think are as important as the professional reasons. I always think about how much the trip's going to cost me. As we know, vacations are expensive, even if they're just back to your hometown to see some family. Uh, I also think, what if something falls through or doesn't go to plan? This is the worst case scenario in me, and I'm not happy about that, but it just makes me uncomfortable. And I also worry that I'm not going to get the most out of my vacation like I want to. I put a lot of pressure on myself to relax when I'm on these vacations. And taking valuable time off, you know, you don't want to waste it by doing work that you're not supposed to be doing, by being on somebody else's schedule when they're doing something that you don't want to do. There's just a lot that can happen on a vacation that can take you out of your vacation mentality. And for some reason, I worry all too much about that leading up to it. I just want to make sure that it's all time well spent. And so in leading up to this this week, I've been trying to figure out how to combat this. And the things that I've been doing, I don't know if they're healthy, but they have slightly worked. One is over-prepare, both for work and vacation. I've been trying to get things done in the, in the interim just to make sure that we're prepared for me just to leave and not have to worry about much. And when it comes to packing or planning our vacation, there's a lot more planning that goes into this vacation versus others. Like I said, we want to keep everyone that we're going to see safe. And so when we get there, we have to test before we leave. We're testing when we get there and we're going to end up uh, trying to distance ourselves until we have those test results. Unfortunately, that means that we might have to spend a few days not seeing the people that we want to see. But at the same time, it's much better to not see people for a few days and see them on the back end of the vacation than it is to bring something into my hometown that could potentially affect other people's lives. Uh, I've been work, work, working prior to this, which just isn't really healthy. And I'll be definitely be ready for the vacation once I leave. And I've been over planning for my return before I leave. Uh, it's something that I've talked about before on this podcast and something that I try to do every time I leave town is to leave my place looking brand new so that when I come back, it's just like I'm going back into a hotel or something. I clean my apartment, clean out the fridge, make sure that the sheets are clean, make sure that all of my clothes are folded. There are just so many things that go into having a clean apartment and it's just of the utmost importance. I'm also trying to be as thankful as possible for being in a position to go on vacation in the first place. There's still a chance that we don't go if one of us tests positive before we go on the vacation, but I'm just trying to be thankful that I can actually leave town, get out of Austin for the first time in months, and just sleep in a bed that's not in my apartment. I'm honestly going crazy about it. I wonder if this feeling of pre-vacation anxiety will ever go away, and to that I'm not really sure. 
I'm going to say probably not given how I feel versus how I felt in the past. At this point, I'm 33 years old and I've been feeling this for over 10 years. But taking one week off isn't going to tank everything. And hopefully everything will go as planned. I will say that even though I'm missing one episode and I'm gone for two weeks, there will be more episodes on the back end. So don't worry about that. Just make sure you're listening and all will be happy. See you soon. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at WillDefreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday. <laughs>